Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcasts, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast with Yvonne Watnabi. Yvonne, how are you? Hey, good morning, Eric. How are you? I am doing fantastic, and I'm really excited to get into today's content. I know that you've got Rob Pruitt joining us. Hello, Rob. How are you this morning? I am doing great. No, it's it's a great day, and I mean, I'm trying to keep as cheerful as possible, <laughs> even though we're still in the midst of uh, nationwide craziness, you know, pandemic, and, and we've got elections coming up. All sorts of things are just kind of stirring around, right? And I think this is kind of a crazy time for everybody. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I think today's podcast is specifically geared towards sort of investment planning and how do we do that in the context of what's going on in, in today's markets. Yeah. Um, but some baseline context and advice around, you know, what we would recommend in general um, and, and how some of these ideals have helped our clients um, be able to weather some of this craziness in the short term and, and continue their plans, you know, the long term. So. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about today. Well, and, and I know that this this podcast is being recorded in early August 2020, so no matter when you're listening to it, it could be six months from now, we're probably still in the midst of a few things, and, and you know the election's over, but now there's all sorts of changes there, so still very relevant information, and uh, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued on what you guys are bringing to the table today. So what are we starting with? Well, I think what would make sense you know, is for... Rob, I'd love to hear your take on kind of the general markets. You know, where do you find um, clients going to get returns? And, and what are the, some of the questions that you're getting or, or thinking about, you know, as you build out some of these investment plans for clients? Well, thanks, Yvonne. Uh, yes, it's a very interesting time. I, I don't know if you can remember early February when we had 10 years of nice market returns. Some of our clients hadn't been through a bear market yet. They didn't have a lot of money invested back in the times of the 2008-9 recession. And it has been a very unusual first half of this year. Um, this is the first pullback and recession that was not initiated by financial markets and financial conditions. It was driven by a government shutdown. And so all of a sudden, we're out of a 10-year market growth cycle. and We're out of a 35-year bull market bond cycle. And all bets are off. And we really don't know what's happening. And everyone got very concerned. And, and obviously, clients were very concerned. The good news is that most of our clients have been through even 10 and 15% pullbacks once or so a year for the last few years, we forget very quickly. And so when we remind them of that, and they say, Oh, gosh, yes, you're right. I didn't remember that. Well, let's hope we get a chance to forget this one pretty soon, too. <laughs> but my point is that if you look over time, the S&P 500 is up 400% since the 2008-9 pullback. And if you look over a longer period of time, 
the stock market has consistently grown over time. So we just have to be in there for the long term and we have to alleviate our clients' concerns and get them thinking more about six, 12 months, two years, four years. And that over that time frame, our money almost always participates in the markets and does quite well. And you have to remember that while we were down 34% all of a sudden in a few weeks from February to March, the S&P 500 is back to even and in fact is up 4% already this year from the beginning of the year. In addition, things have really changed inside the investment markets. It's not all stocks rising together. There are five stocks, you know the names, all the, the FANGs and the technology shares. There are five stocks that now represent 23% of the S&P 500. 80 stocks of the S&P 500 have all grown more than 20% this year. The five stocks I talked to you about are up over 40% this year. That means the rest of them aren't doing so well. And in fact, something like 130 of the S&P 500 are down more than 20%. So this is a very, very different investment time frame and marketplace than we've been in for the last 10 years when not only did our markets move together in the US, we sort of moved together with the rest of the world. And now that's changing too. So there's lots for us to be focused on, thinking about at the highest level, continue to remain invested. I'm happy to say that almost none of our clients pulled money out of the market as things crashed a little bit there in February and March. And now they're awfully happy they didn't. Uh, and now the question is, what's it gonna look like going forward? And obviously nobody knows, but given the differentiation in how bonds are acting, how interest rates are acting, and how stock markets around the world are acting and the companies within them are very bifurcated. It's time for a lot more diversification and it's time for a little bit more professional management rather than just pure what we would call index or ETF index investing. Rob, given all those challenges and sort of what, you know, I, I totally agree sort of what what potential challenges lie ahead now that we're up, you know, 4% on the year on the S&P. What are you recommending to, to folks? How are you approaching the next six months, the next couple of years? Um, you know, I, I know you've always been a, a big proponent and have, and have structured your investments the same way that, you know, I've structured my clients' investments in, in the bucketing approach. Tell me a little bit more about sort of what you're thinking or where you're placing clients these days. Well, um, the buckets haven't changed, and very quickly, um, we think about two big buckets, which are after-tax investments, which are your investment accounts, your savings accounts, and uh, not yet taxed investments, which are all your retirement 401k, IRA, profit-sharing plans, etc. But within the after-tax investments, where people save their money, accumulate their money, use it for down payments on homes, to pay for colleges, kids raising their kids' expenses, that's where your money really has to work for you and be, be accessible to you when necessary from the, your 20s to your 60s before you can actually start touching and want to touch your retirement money. So the way we think about it is that you've got to have a year or two's worth of low-risk, conservative liquidity that not only backs you up if you're out of work for a little while, 
but it's where you'd go for that down payment on your home or any other expenses you can foresee over the next 24 months. There's a bucket behind that that's probably two to six years uh, kind of money that has intention on it as well. But it's invested a little more aggressively because we can wait two, four, six years for it to recover from a down cycle like we just experienced. And then there's a much longer bucket, six years plus. And as we work with younger couples, they're filling those buckets up serially. The first one first, and then the middle tier bucket of two to six years. And when that one fills up to a level we're comfortable with together, now we're really investing for that long-term money, which can have a, even a little more risk to it. But in general, Avon, what we're doing very differently now is what I mentioned, much more diversification. Clients cannot depend on a handful of funds or a handful of stocks uh, anymore because those high-flying uh, tech stocks are bound to take a hit pretty soon because they've had the most growth. So whenever there is a pullback, they may lead that down as well. So if right now with 10 years of growth, a quick setback, and now we're right back to where we started a little ahead of it since the first of the year, it's really time to look at how we should reposition portfolios much more diversification, much more consideration of international markets, selectively certain emerging markets, and selectively certain sectors of the economy because the economy is not moving altogether. What has COVID and the pullback really done to us? Well, it says the technology and the Zoom companies and the companies that are advantaged in this strange market we're in right now are doing more than well compared to where they were before. But travel, leisure, services, you know, it's pretty easy to go down the list and, and talk about who's really getting hurt. Well, there's some, uh, so there's some markets and some sectors in the middle that are kind of hanging in there. We don't know which way they're going. So my point is that professional management has a real opportunity to outperform and provide real value over the next few years until we're kind of out of this COVID and recovery uh, economies around the world and on some sort of new footing to be determined. So that's true in the equity or stock markets. And it's also really true in bond investing. For 35 years, bond rates have gone from 15% in the Jimmy Carter 80s down to less than zero, less than 1%, almost close to zero in the federal treasury markets. That's an unbelievable pullback in interest rates. And what happens when interest rates pull back is the bonds you own in today's market actually are worth more. But guess what? When interest rates recover, which probably starts two or three years from now as we recover from the COVID setback, everybody's bond holdings are actually going to start to be worth less. They're going to still pay the interest they're supposed to pay. But if you wanted to sell the bond, at some point during holding it, it's actually going to be worse less. And there could be 5, 10, and 15% pullbacks in your, quote, safe bond investments. So what does that mean? That means we have to further diversify the bond portion of our holdings as well. I think everything that you're sharing lends itself to getting more professional management, more professional advice, um, especially navigating these difficult times, right? I mean, things are not making a ton of sense today. Um, where we could use old traditional sense to uh, to build out investment plans, and I think utilizing professional managers in in in, uh, 
and advisors' help in building these portfolios is extremely valuable today. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about the conversation that you're having with clients around paying for asset allocation and, and investment management um, versus, you know, the the old, I'm just going to buy, you know, an ETF fund and leave it there for, for the next 30 years. Right. Well, I think indexing and ETF indexing are a terrific addition to our investment marketplace. And in fact, I use them a lot. And I'm not saying you throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I still think that if you have a well-diversified set of uh, stock and bond investments in a fairly sizable after-tax portfolio, you should have 12 to 18 components in there, maybe 10 or 12 in your stocks and four to six in your bonds. And half of those may be ETFs and indexes. But where can professional managers really bring value? Well, they can find the sectors, healthcare, technology, other places where holding the right set of companies within those sectors will far outperform holding the index in those sectors. And on the downside, if you are holding an emerging market index or ETF, by definition, you're going to hold lots of China, lots of Brazil, lots of uh, India. And as Brazil tanked this year, you wrote it down. A smart emerging markets investor professional manager would know enough to either get out quickly or maybe not be in some of those areas in the first place. And who knows what these companies coming out of China are really worth. Uh, They don't have the kind of accounting rules we do. So you really need smart people on the ground in those economies, really understanding what's happening. And I would say deselecting what shouldn't be in some of your worldwide holdings and some of your sector holdings. So we might use index and ETFs, low cost, you know, less than a half percent kind of cost structures to build a good part of the investment. And then go spend two or three times more if necessary in certain other parts of portfolio to get the professional management. They're gonna probably save you a lot more than the half a percent or 1% you might pay more for to have them looking after that portion of your money. Uh, When it comes to bonds, um, you can't just go buy corporates or municipals or hold cash anymore. We're going to have to work a lot harder and diversify into many other types of more high yield, both public and private debt, something that's called long short equity, where bright managers can bet on firms they think will do well as well as firms they think will do poorly and make money in both directions private equity components, uh, hedge fund components. So we're really trying to expand our clients' thinking, especially in those middle and long-term buckets I talked about, to get much more diversified. If the market goes up, you're going to get most of the move. and the market goes down, you'll hopefully get less than the amount of the move you got up. So you won't, if it's up 10, you're up eight. If it's down 10, you're only down six. So if we keep winning those battles of up and down over time, you end up in a much better place. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, the other piece of the conversation that I'd love your take on is, you know, how do you, you know, how do you manage clients' tax obligations? Because many people, you know, by the time they get to you and I, right, they've built portfolios, uh, maybe with another advisor or on their own, they've done their own investing, and they haven't had any type of plan 
or strategy around how to address the embedded tax gain that they have inside of their portfolio. So what's your conversation with clients and, and how important it is, is it for you when you build these out? Um, I imagine it's as important as it is to me to make sure that we have a game plan. So I'd love your take on, on how you're, how you're addressing that. Well, thanks. I, I think this is becoming more and more important. Uh, for those of us that have been around for a while, uh, personal tax rates are as low as they've been in a very, very long time, and that's based on the 2017 tax laws. Those personal rates are, uh, by law, due to sunset in 2026, which means we go back to the old rates. So that means that at least right now, by law, we have a window of opportunity to do a lot of the right things. You know that when we first meet a new client, we want to understand really everything about their financial world. And one of those real important aspects is to spend lots of time looking at two or three years worth of tax returns. If I look at those tax returns, I can see where they're, what their investments are doing, how much interest is getting thrown off, how much dividends are getting thrown off, um, what's your capital gains position, which of your three or four investment accounts are throwing off more than the necessary amount of taxation, where could it be done better, what could consolidation do. Um, when we actively manage those three buckets for clients, we're working very hard to consider tax throughout the whole year, when unfortunately most investment guys aren't worried about taxes. You buy a mutual fund at a Fidelity for your IRA, you might buy the same mutual fund at Fidelity for your after-tax investment account. Well, that investment manager Fidelity in that fund, he doesn't care if your money's after tax or in an IRA, and he can throw off all the cap gain he wants trying to beat his competition. But that means a tax bill for you in your after-tax investment account, even though you didn't even buy or sell the fund, you just held on to it. So we like to control taxes as best we can, and that means that we're doing active tax managed throughout the year, rather than just handing a 1099 with tax bills related to your investment accounts to your CPA in February, March, or April. We're actually thinking about it quarter to quarter, and a lot of our after-tax investments accounts actually have tax management going on professionally week to week, month to month. And I know right now in my clients' accounts where we stand so far year to date, and when I call them for a review in the last third of the year, I also say, so Yvonne, uh, what's the rest of your capital gains situation look like? Did you sell a house? Did you sell other property? Did you um, did you sell a business? Is there any other cap gains going on in your world besides what I'm managing for you? And maybe I can go into our portfolios and make the situation better. Mm-hmm. Proper tax management can save one to one and a half percent per year in the returns on your account. So instead of paying Uncle Sam and the tax man. You keep the money in your account, and guess what? If it stays in, it grows. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, we're, we're certainly doing the same thing for ours, um, or for, for yeah, I'm certainly doing the same thing for my clients, Rob. Um, I, I think it makes all the sense in the world, and, and actually having a game plan and a strategy around the taxes is something that you know nobody really considers, especially in this sort of, you know, I'm going to invest on my own, and uh and take that approach. So it's, it's good to get your perspective on it. As we kind of wrap up, are there any other things that you were thinking about that you think that the audience would find valuable on sort of investment planning or, or just overall savings approach? Well, just another uh, little commercial on taxes. They are what they are right now, but they can change anytime. 
The government can change any time. So 2020, I feel like we really have an opportunity to think long and hard about what we should be doing in the back four months of the year. Meaning, I said personal rates are by law go back up in 2025, but that doesn't mean that the way the government's spending money right now and the debt's going up, that they won't have to change those laws sooner. So that means there's things we really have to do this year. We have to look at how our clients can be advantaged by using today's low tax rates, by using today's low capital gains rates of 15 or 20 percent. There are there's talk going on in states right now and as well as at the federal level of starting to change from capital gains tax rates of 15 and 20 and just turning them into earned income. There's talk at the federal level of changing estate tax laws. The estate tax law federally was about $5.1 million until they moved it up recently to $11.4 million per spouse. That sounds like a lot, and it is. But if it all of a sudden goes back to $5 million per spouse for some of our clients, that's going to be very bad news. So we really have to be proactive at thinking about where are the potential risks and pitfalls looking forward, and where are the opportunities this year? For example, there's something called a marginal tax bracket in America, and some people think they're in the 30% bracket, but they're not really. They pay the first set of their income at 10% and then 12%, and these different chunks of more income you make get taxed at higher and higher rates. So for many of our clients, there's room inside a 28% tax bracket for, say, another 150000 of income still at 28% before you're up into a 32 or 34% tax rate. So Roth conversions and other and converting other parts of their portfolio and repositioning assets is a, is a really big focus for us right now. Uh, think about taking money that will be taxed higher later and moving it into Roth now to never be taxed while it grows and to be ne never to be taxed while you take it out. So Roth conversions, capital gains management, proper trust and estate planning before the federal government and the states start changing the laws some more. We don't know what's ahead, but we can do the best we can with what we have. And when they hand us new rules in 2021, we'll do the best we can with that as well. But I'd hate to look back and think that we missed a real opportunity. I appreciate the insight, Rob. I know the audience definitely appreciates it. So as our resident uh, CIO of Opus Private Client, I really, really appreciate all of your insight. And I know our clients do too. So thanks, Rob, for all you do for us. Oh, you're welcome. We'll keep doing it. I love podcasts like this that are encouraging and talk about opportunity um, because I think so many people just kind of have their head down and I just want to get through this. But it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity to seize out there. Uh, the time is always ripe for changes and the time to make changes and, and take a hard look at what you're doing is always yesterday. So today's the next best choice. Wonderfully put. I think that was wonderfully put, Rob. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. And Yvonne, thank you so much for bringing Rob on. I know you guys always have great conversations. I always learn things. And Yvonne, I look forward to that next podcast as well. For sure. Thanks, Eric. All right. And the last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Opus Private Clients Wellstyle podcast with the team from Opus Private Client LLC. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Opus Private Client LLC, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day 
every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Opus Private Client LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Data and rates used were indicative of market conditions as of the date shown. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends are based on current market conditions and are subject to change without notice. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. S&P 500 index is a market index generally considered representative of the stock market as a whole. The index focuses on the large gap segment of the U.S. equities market. Indices are unmanaged and one cannot invest directly in an index. All investment contains risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Yvonne Watanabe and Rob Pruitt are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, Securities Products and Advisory Services offered through PAS, member of FINRA, SIPC financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client, LLC, is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client, LLC, is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Yvonne's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. 2020-106482, 2020-106482, expiry 08 of 22.